1: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Frenelli, That's Danny Cannell, That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us in the chat. It is Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. That means... It is time for a pun further review. Our chance to go back over the notebook, go back over the film study, the late night games, and some results were significant that we want to make sure that we hit before we turn our attention to the week ahead. Uh, we additionally will do a quick scan of the AP and top, AP top 25 poll before we get out of here. Some news and notes as well. Uh, I don't know if we'll have time, but West Virginia has an athletic director change. What does that mean for Neil Brown? These stories are in motion. Uh, but speaking of stories in motion, I, I want to begin with um, just like a, a heartbreaking story out of the University of Virginia. And the Cover 3 podcast is not going to be the place where you're going to get uh, the detailed analysis. I would suggest that the local news outlets that are doing hard work right now, um, and then of course, you know CBS News, th- this is a story that is devastating for the Virginia football family. For the Virginia University of Virginia community, as, as it's scary, you know, as as we are sitting here right now, uh, police say the suspect is a former football player, and local news outlets indicate that the victims include members of this Virginia football family. The campus had a shelter-in-place situation; everybody staying uh, as the suspect is considered armed and dangerous. Awful, awful stuff, and I, I just wanted to say we are not going to ignore this story but we do want to send like our absolute love and support because it is a tough day. It's going to be a tough week. It is going to be a tough conclusion to the season and beyond for the friends, for the family, for the teammates, the coaches, the staffers. This, this is the kind of thing that is um, very much outside of our purview, very much outside of our expertise. So please, you know, send, send all of our, our love uh, to the university of Virginia family. Cause this is a, this is a tough day here for uh, Virginia football.
2: Yeah, man, it's that's just tragic. I, I, Chip, I, I think you said it, man. This is it. Just you, just you feel for the families. You feel for Virginia football. This is this just sucks. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. They, and again, like if if you would like more breakdown of the latest of the news of the details, uh, please go follow the local news outlets. I think the only job of the Cover Three podcast is to send our love and support to the families and friends of the victims and to the Virginia football, Virginia community and to the Virginia football program. Cause this is like heartbreaking, mind blowing kind of stuff. So uh, our love to you, uh, you are supported and we know we've got a lot of Virginia fans that love the cover three podcast. Hope you're doing all right. Um, we, one of the things we like to do in a pun further review is get a chance to circle back to some of the late night action and One of those late-night results, as we indicated during the Instant Reaction show, was a spot in the Pac-12 that looked like it would get just a little bit hairy. It is the second loss of the season for the UCLA Bruins. They lose at home 34-28 to to Arizona because that Jetfish team, Tom, what are they always doing?
0: They play hard.
1: Yep, they're always playing hard. They are playing hard. Fourth win of the season for the Wildcats. A little sidebar here as Arizona now has Washington State at home and Arizona State at home. Are they going to make a bowl? I don't know. Next week or so, we'll certainly tell a lot with that. But I think the focus really needs to be more on the UCLA side of things. Uh, USC was a big winner on Friday, another team that we didn't get to break down quite as much on the Instant Reaction show since it was a Friday result and usually we're so stuck in the moment on Saturday. So I wanted to get started looking ahead to that USC-UCLA game, and I wanted to ask initially, based on our review and everything we saw what went what do you think went wrong for UCLA and is it concerning as we look at the Bruins the rest of the way?
0: I I think really it was a pretty simple approach for Arizona. They let Zach Charbonnet run the ball. They were fine with UCLA getting what they wanted on the ground. They just tried to take away the explosive passing plays from that offense, and they did a very good job of it. Like there were some big plays because you know it's still UCLA, they're gonna hit some deep shots, but you know. DTR finished with only 245 yards passing. And if you just look at the overall explosive passing rate at the end, looking it up, they finished with only 12.8%, which is very low for them on the season. In fact, now UCLA has played three games all season in which they finished with an explosive passing rate of under 13%. The first was in the season opening win against Bowling Green, but the other two were the lost Oregon and now the loss to Arizona. So it seemed pretty clear that the d- defensive game plan was just try to keep it in front of you as much as possible. And Arizona did a good enough job of that to at least limit what UCLA did. And then they also combined it with Jaden Delora having a very good Jaden Delora game.
2: Yeah, I, I thought the the escape jobs by, by Jaden Delora uh, were really impressive throughout. Like I, I went back and watched this, and I, I thought UCLA had good pressures dialed up. For the most part, and he really made some superhuman plays. I mean, yes. twenty-eight for three hundred and fifteen was pretty good. Arizona was able to kind of run it a little bit, um, and really, it was him on offense. Uh, them cashing in their red zone chances for touchdowns what was a major theme here. UCLA obviously uh, did not do so, and they only scored twenty-eight uh, despite having four hundred sixty-five yards of offense. I, I actually, I, I, Tom's totally right on the explosive play part. Kind of a low completion percentage overall I mean 67 but it's it's to me you got to adjust for Arizona Arizona's defense this year has been just flat out terrible and Charbonnet if you had told me Charbonnet ran it 24 times against Arizona I would expect it like I don't know two and a quarter and he had he had 181 Thompson Robinson had 11 carries for 24 they they kind of like allowed the run game but also bottled it up a little bit it wasn't it wasn't explosive performance for UCLA in any way
3: I think this is one of those games that you look at and UCLA was probably looking ahead to USC. It's a matchup. You start, and this is every coach's worst nightmare. When everybody's telling you how good you are, here's your track to the playoff, here's who you can beat, and this. And then all of a sudden, you play an opponent who you're almost a three touchdown favorite against, and all of a sudden it's 14 nothing, and it's like, uh-oh, we forgot we have a game to play this week. The defense, to me, was probably the biggest disappointment, the inability to shut down Jaden DeLore. I mean, I thought this was a UCLA team that was much more physical, and they showcased the physicality with being able to run the ball offensively, but defensively, to give up that many points to an Arizona team, which is still very much in a rebuild. Credit to Jed Fish and the job he's done, making this team extremely competitive on the season. But this, to me, is what happens when you don't show up and – you know, I also think Dorian Thompson-Robinson is a really great story. He also had bobo in the back of the end zone which possibly could have, you know, turned this game completely different. And then we're talking about, yay, there we are. I thought it was a devastating weekend for the Pac-12 too. You okay. know, just in yeah. general, the losses that were there. I mean, they had three teams in the thick of the playoff race and now all of a sudden it's evaporated to one. And you know, UCLA's got an opportunity to screw this whole thing up for the Pac-12. It was By a winning. disastrous weekend. Exactly. It's a disastrous weekend for the Pac-12. They
0: like the game started like Arizona punted on the first possession of the game. Then UCLA went three and out with a terrible punt that gave Arizona excellent field position. Yeah. They went and scored. UCLA gets the ball back again, gets a first down, but then it's another quick three and out. Another bad punt gives Arizona short field position, and they go down the field and scored. It was like a 14-0 hole right off the bat, and it was just, yeah, they came out a little flat and a couple of some bad special teams play that put them in a hole that they just weren't able to fully dig themselves out of
1: is it a structural thing with this UCLA defense or a personnel thing? Because the thing that stood out to me was if you were having escapability problems with Jane DeLara, what's going to happen against Caleb Williams? Who's going to be able to make you, because initially I'm looking at USC. Like, oh no, they lost Travis Dye. And and while they have other good backs in that room, I thought that he was really important to what they do, allowing that passing game to really be unlocked. But if Jane Delore is able to have that that kind of creation when he is under pressure, even when UCLA seems to be in the right calls or you know trying to get into the backfield, is, is this going to be something that you think can continue in that matchup against Williams and uh, the USC offense?
0: I mean, Caleb Williams is a very good player. So if Caleb Williams is able to run around and scramble in the pocket and avoid pressure and make things happen, I don't think anybody will be surprised. But I think... A lot of what Jaden Delora did in that game is not sustainable. I will put it that way. Like, yeah, it was was very much. Yeah, it was hero ball, kind of like Johnny Manziel peak Johnny Manziel kind of football, where it's like, even like I was having like stress attacks just watching him run because if you watch Jaden Delora run, he holds the football in his one hand and he's pumping like this, (laughs) and it's like I'm sitting there waiting for him to fumble like a billion times, but yet he never does. So it was just. I think it's a problem that yeah, Caleb Williams can exploit it if it happens because he's very good. But again, I don't, th- and I don't think there's you know like yeah, Caleb Williams yeah. can get it's, out and
1: like burn you on third downs. That's what I saw. Yeah. You've got a third and long situation. UCLA dials up the right pressure. You've got to commit because you've got stud wide receivers out there on the edges. And then oh no, here goes mm-hmm. Caleb Williams to run for like nine yards, get out of bounds, and keep keep a drive alive.
2: Do you have stud stud wide receivers on the outside? Like I think you do, but. Like is how healthy is Mario Williams? How College healthy is Washington Even
1: had, had a splash play against Colorado. Like that's what that, you dude, that dude can go. Yeah, I mean, he, you got reminded that yeah. even down on number four, number five, like on that depth chart, you've still got some really, really good football players.
2: One hundred percent. I, I think it is much more sustainable for Caleb Williams than it is for Jaden Delora. Uh, but to me, like if we're looking to do like a little like early thoughts on this game, that the health of both teams is going to be absolutely vital, right? Mm-hmm. U, USC. On defense, are they getting Eric Gentry? Right, how, how healthy is Go for it? Like d- dudes like that who really matter, especially Gentry. Like that defense does appear to be different without him. Like they have been just flat out terrible over the last couple weeks defensively. Probably worse than UCLA has been, uh, to be honest. If you think about the opponent, and for UCLA, I know they got a couple guys out on on, on defense in the linebacking core. Are they going to get Kaz Allen back? He's an explosive weapon for them on offense, man. I think the injury report here is going to be really interesting to watch this week because those guys seem to matter on both sides of the football. And I I mean to me, like UCLA has looked just as good as USC has for the most part this year. Yes. Like they they destroyed or not destroyed, but they soundly beat a Utah team that USC lost to. And both these teams have offenses that I think should be able to score quite a bit. I mean, we talk about what's wrong with UCLA's defense and certainly it's not great. How many did Arizona
1: put on USC? It was just as many, right?
2: Yeah.
0: I <laughs> can't remember uh, so the it was exact 50 Like two something, weeks ago. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was 45 to 37.
0: Yeah. So it's not like USC completely shut down the Wildcats either. But, I mean, going back to, like, the, the, for this matchup with Caleb Williams, like, UCLA, you mentioned it, but They did a good job of putting pressure onto Laura in this game. UCLA has pretty much done a very solid job of pressuring other quarterbacks all season long. And the one thing with Caleb Williams at time is for somebody who is as mobile as he is and able to move around, he kind of hangs out in the pocket a little too long at times. So that could be something worth monitoring in this game as well.
1: What are some of the other uh, Danny? What stands out to you about this matchup USC and UCLA where sort of where each team is at heading into the weekend?
3: I, I, so before this game, I kind of liked UCLA coming into it because the physicality I was talking to, like I thought, they would control the line scrimmage better, clearly with Charbonnet running the ball the way he has been. I thought that would be a significant edge, and it's also a great way to keep the ball away from USC, um, you know, to try to limit their amount of possessions that they've got. But now that's kind of thrown up in doubt here. Like, the ability for the the defense – no doubt they'll still be able to run the ball, but now I'm looking at it's probably going to be a shootout. And if you get in a high-possession game, who do you trust more? Do you trust Caleb Williams or do you trust DTR? I'm going to lean towards Caleb Williams because that – dude has been playing some really good football dtr is a little bit up and down too you know he's just a little bit up and down uh when you look at the consistency or lack of consistency
1: 82 and a half was the opener at circa <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> i he don't got, know he got bet
3: down to what
2: 73
1: he got bet down really 73 yeah yeah so. it,
2: it, it went
0: that, that was huge so, UCLA USC opened at 82.5, and Minnesota Iowa opened at 32.5. Just a slight 50 point difference in those. How ones. is this the same sport? No, I, I love
1: it. That's why I love it. Like when I saw those openers and we had an 82 and a 32 on the board, I just wanted to hug the entire odds board and be like, Yes, thank you. This is amazing. Styles make fights or something. Uh, who do you think USC is currently sitting at? Seven and one in conference play. The UCLA game <clears throat> is the Pac-12 finale. Oregon at six and one. Utah at six and one. UCLA at five and two. Washington at five and two. But I'm not going to like hold anyone's feet to the fire on tiebreakers. But you can even just go on <laughs> vibes alone. Who do you think is playing for the Pac-12 title? <sighs> Obviously, 8-1 USC. USC could lock up at least one of these spots.
0: Well, yeah. If, if USC wins, it's automatically in. I'm just – because you've got Utah and Oregon this week. And mm, I mean, I I don't know the
2: tiebreakers. Like, if UCLA beats USC, are they in? Uh, so they would have the tiebreaker over Utah, but they would and not UNC. have the tiebreaker over Oregon. So if UCLA and Oregon win, it'll be UCLA and Oregon.
0: If USC wins, it's in UCLA is out, and then what happens with Utah, Oregon? It's like I know Washington still has a chance, but I, I just
2: feel like with Utah and Oregon playing each other, that's going to knock Washington out. I think there is a tiebreaker thing we could be missing here, in that if UCLA beats USC, but then you know yaks it against Cal the next week, yeah, oh, that. Oh, gosh, that would be that would be like that would be hilarious Pat 12. Yeah, Uh, I don't think that will happen. But then you get into these kind of convoluted uh, head to head tiebreaker situations
1: like of the three teams that are tied, who has the best record or of these four teams who has the best record against common opponents that these these sorts of tiebreaker scenarios, um, they get to be quite a head scratcher. I used to do a, a post for CBSports.com for a couple of years called the conference title race reset. It was just kind of a, a nice like scan of the entire country. And you know, what? it wasn't worth it. It really wasn't because I would get emails from conference offices that I hadn't had the ninth tiebreaker considered as I was eliminating these teams from contention. And I was like, all right, well, you know what? Fine. You guys tell me and I'll just wait for the league release. Um, yeah. That, that oh. other, Oh yes, Tom.
3: I was going to say, how healthy is Bo Nix? Yeah, that's a big question.
0: Because w- when I look at this Oregon-Utah game, like it's, pretty, it's a pretty clear delineation in Utah this year. Like At home, 67-point win, 28-point win, 26-point win, the one-point win over USC, 25-point win, 35-point win. On the road, three-point loss, 21-point win over Arizona State, 10-point loss to UCLA, and a four-point win over Wazoo. And the game is in Eugene.
2: If Bo Nix is healthy, I got to go with Oregon. Oregon's uh, Oregon's run defense is significantly better than its pass defense, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Utah might have to throw it around here quite a bit.
3: I think like, – don't you think the line tells you Bo Nix is playing – I think they're assuming
0: it is, but I mean, I see, that's the thing. I don't even know what the injury was. Right. Like, he was, <laughs> like, was he it his shoulder off. or was it a concussion? But then he's limping off and his ankle's hurting him. I had no idea what it was, but then he's able to come back in maybe too. It's I, I don't know.
1: Where, what do you all want to go next for a pun for the review?
2: Can we go to Iowa?
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs> if we, we have just to.
2: Ab- absolutely amazing here. Uh, I'm going to cite my friend Bill Conley for this stat coming up. So Iowa won a game 24 to 10. This is probably why my computer spit out the projected total for Minnesota Iowa at 26 and a half by the way, which is, I did I did not play the under because defensive scores exist and you have to account for them. Iowa won a game yesterday or 2 days ago over Wisconsin 24 to 10. They had 146 yards of offense. Spencer Petras was 14 of 23 for 94 yards. This is the third lowest yards per play by a winning team Mm -hmm. in the last 15 years. Well, well, by 14 points or more. uh, Excuse me, yes, by 14 points or more, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Three of those games involved Will Muschamp, by the way. Yes. (laughs) Which is – but, I mean, this is just more hilarity from Iowa. And they they could win the Big Ten West. And this Mm -hmm. is exactly why the Big Ten needs to do away with division. Because if you're a TV executive – and who owns the rights to the, uh, the Big Ten title game this year? Is it Fox? Fox. Fox is like, dear God, please do not allow another game with freaking Iowa to get into the Big Ten title game. That is terrible for ratings. Nobody wants to watch this trash. Mm-hmm. And like, like it's it's you want to watch it? I'm telling you, the ratings will be fine if it's no. Iowa, but they'd be much Ohio better State. if you could pit like who Two else? schools that actually try to play on both sides of the football. This is yeah. why the Big Ten is a huge winner when the do weight divisions because you're not going to see a lot of these Big Ten West teams. That just totally eschew offense, right? In favor of just playing defense and punting. That's not really an entertaining product. The Big Ten West could be, or the Big Ten overall is going to be a big winner when they do away with divisions. They'll actually have a
3: better title game matchup. What's the best TV rating number for the team? Who's represented in the West? I mean, Nebraska, they have zero out of the top four teams that are sitting there. I would say Iowa might be one of their better options.
2: Yes, but it's like the fourth best option you could choose from the
3: college divisions. Like totally one, agree. Yeah,
2: yeah. But I mean, I don't. I, I think the
0: ratings will be fine. <laughs> Wisconsin might draw better is. than Iowa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every Big Ten team kind of draws pretty well, except for the new ones.
1: Sure are we done cosplaying not? as TV executives? <laughs> okay, are we are we, are we? are we done? Can we talk about the football again?
0: No, but no, Iowa is now the favorite to win the West, I think, based on, you know, just who they have left to play and like the kind of simulations of who's most likely to win. So it's just hilarious to think as you mentioned, it was like I can't remember what the exact number was, but it was the lowest yards per play that they've averaged all season. Two point one five. Yeah, and that includes the loss to Ohio State, which I think it was like two point five six. And they won by fourteen points. So Iowa, everything is working. Uh extend, extend parents <laughs> Brian
3: Royals Award winner, you yeah, I mean? yeah, for sure. It's I just, mean, if their you touchdown drives—you the, can the figure out ways. Awesome.
0: If you figure out ways to win that much playing that bad, you got to be doing something right. That's all I got to say.
2: <laughs> uh, their touchdown drives—they featured a total of two first downs. <laughs>
1: <Man>. <laughs> it was—it was admittedly just as funny to be rooting for Wisconsin to move the ball in this game. By the way because, you know, we were, Tom, I think, Tom, we were in lock agreement, right, on mm-hmm. the over, mm-hmm. but just because you'd watch the Iowa offense, which you've gotten used to, you know, the way that they handle their business and this Iowa team, but then you would need Wisconsin to move the ball, and Graham Mertz ain't getting it done. That's for sure. A lot of incomplete passes on that side as well. A lot of punting uh, coming from Wisconsin. And Wisconsin always had bad field position because Tory Taylor's just an absolute leg. I mean, it was, that was a, That was a a tough beat at 34, but... The throws were
0: there, but Graham Mertz was late. Mm, Tough. There were were a couple plays I felt like Wisconsin had it, and he was just a half second too late, and ended up with interceptions because of it.
1: Looking at the uh, more sort of like conference title race conversation, particularly as it pertains to the Kansas State Wildcats, uh reports from multiples, including Go PowerCat, which is of course the fantastic 24-7 sports partner for Kansas State. If you're a Kansas State fan, come on, man, get over there, sign yourself up for an account. It appears so Adrian Martinez's leg injury will cause him to mix to cause him to miss four to six weeks. That means Will Howard is in the lineup. And while I am disappointed for Adrian Martinez in terms of Um, his hopes and dreams for what was going to happen this season, I ask for the sake of the Kansas State offense, does Will Howard being under center or at the helm of this offense, in shotgun sometimes, um, does that mean that Kansas State's got a better chance at being able to win the next two games and get to Dallas with a chance to try to win a rematch against TCU?
0: That offense hasn't been bad with Adrian Martinez, but it's been better with Will Howard. It's certainly more balanced. With Will Howard, so
3: I don't think it's terrible news for the Wildcats, no. I think it's a blessing in disguise, especially if you get this version of Will Howard, the 2022 version. And I'd even go back and say if he was playing against Texas, they might have won that game. Um, I just, Adrian Martinez was a great story, and they were maximizing his running ability, but it really, they had their limitations in the pass game. And all of a sudden with Will Howard, it's opened up this pass game, which I don't think anybody saw coming. So I absolutely think this is the best case scenario for the Wildcats here moving forward. I, and I, I, think, I also would be a little bit nervous if you're TCU having to face this team again with a comfortable quarterback, not you know one, two, three you know, throughout the game. I wouldn't be surprised if
2: Kansas State is favored over TCU if they, if they make the Big 12 title game to be honest. I mean, TCU is only a three-point favorite this weekend at Baylor, right? And, you know, Kansas State just smacked Baylor, but also like Vegas doesn't adjust these power ratings that fast. So, you know, I just, this will not be a big spread in the big 12 title game. If, if things hold as they're looking right now, my only real hesitation on this is that Kansas State thought that Will Howard might be better. They got to see Will Howard a couple times. They still chose to go back to Adrian Martinez. So what does that say? about how Will Howard is as a practice player. What does that say about his knowledge of like the whole playbook? Because and we can say that sometimes coaches make the wrong decisions on quarterbacks and they do, right? I mean look at Utah last year. They started uh what's his name who was kind of terrible and Cam Rising didn't come in for 3 or 4 weeks.
0: And they had
1: for 15 in the spring game. Will have you fallen in love with
3: Brewer too, all <laughs> right?
0: I will say we don't know like Adrian Martinez transferred to Kansas State. We don't know what promises were made.
3: That's also, I don't even know if it's past promises, but you've also, the staff has only seen one year of of Adrian Martinez, and they've Howard seen a lot 54%. more of Will Howard. Yeah, and he
1: was 54% as a like career percentage heading into yeah. the season. Like, the, exactly. Maybe so it's it, the
3: scars of previous performances that led to I, I think that's what it is. You can talk about seeing ghosts and seeing things. Uh oh, what if what if the ghost of Will Howard's pass comes back at the end of the season? Feel like you could trust somebody. There's also there's so many intangibles that go to, I mean, Adrian Martinez, I think, was a great leader. You know, you come in, he's played a lot of football, he's got a ton of experience. The team was kind of handed to him. And you got to be really careful monitoring those situations because if you benched him, you don't know, you don't want to split locker room. But although now I think, again, kind of going back, I do think he provides more, but is there a bad game in there, possibly, for Will Howard?
2: Kobe Savage uh, is one of their best DBs on the team. And if you guys watched it, that injury looks pretty bad. So, I mean, like, I'm not a doctor, but I'd be surprised if, if he makes it back before Adrian Martinez, just purely on looking at, at the injury stuff. So that is something that could matter for them in the coming weeks as well, something to monitor, especially because TCU does hit so many explosive plays.
1: Yeah, the twenty four seven sports go power cat report says like sa- on Savage, likely done for the year. Yeah. So I Martinez out four to mm-hmm. six would give him a shot at coming back for the bowl game, but have him out for final two games of the regular season of the Big Twelve title. If they make it there, uh Savage uh will again uh likely done for the year, according to Go PowerCat. Uh our thanks to gopowercat.com. Cat.com.
2: Go Powerhouse. Uh <laughs> Can we can we uh, upon further review our show sure. from Saturday evening, Jordan? Can you play this? And then Spencer Sanders just
0: like comes in like you know out of nowhere. You just hear like the Steve Stone, the Steve Stone Cold Austin glass break. Spencer Sanders is suddenly in the game. and He's leading you on a touchdown drive that ends up being the winning drive.
2: Steve Stone Cold Austin. I <laughs> I didn't catch this late night Saturday. We're all pretty tired, but we got a number of people in the comments. Uh, that 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 blew this up, and, and they they asked me to to give Tom a chance to to see if he actually knows the name of you know legendary wrestler Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah, the problem is White Sox.
0: The White Sox, who I'm a big fan of, have announced announcer named Steve Stone. So in my brain, I went Steve Stone Cold Austin instead of Stone Cold Steve Austin.
1: I am also, not in. I am not in favor of auditing instant reaction shows. Right. In yeah. verbal <laughs> We're all brain dead at that time of night. <laughs> That's not cool. I'm trying
3: to get away from the lock spot reviews, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously,
0: can we get a clip, Jordan, of all Danny's locks from the last <laughs> yeah. month and a half? This was not my idea. <laughs> <laughs> this was not my idea.
1: <laughs> Officer Elliot over here. Dan, Dan,
2: Dan, Danny's locks A-pop. are safer in the crypto. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can,
1: can we do Yukon? Yeah, one hundred percent.
2: All right. So, like, shout out to Jim Ora for, for getting another win. Like, there is some chance that UConn goes bowling. I have no idea how the heck they pulled this off. It is. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: the, the numbers do not suggest no. a win for no. <laughs> the UConn Huskies at all.
2: <laughs> not <laughs> at all. So, I was like, okay. Maybe Liberty's kind of banged up, whatever. Their quarterback was 22 of 36 for 201, which is not not good, but it's not uh, not the worst performance I've ever seen. Iowa would certainly take that. Um, uh, UConn had 318 yards of offense. Liberty had 474 turnover wise, both had two turnovers. And this was just UConn cashed it in because special teams play like the, the length of the returns uh, just really an opportune fumbles and, and some stops on downs late Uh, good. But this is just one of the least likely results based on the box score of the year. I think you could say like,
3: Wow. Is he is he done? Did he parlay this one year in stores to a job somewhere else? Because I think he might have. It I mean, is pretty that's a tough place to win. Yeah he's got brand yeah. recognition. I don't know. I, I think he's gone. I think he's gonna but, I think he's what power five, like do you think there's a power Arizona five State. Do you think Arizona State would do it? I, I do. Mean, he's had after, experience there in the Pac twelve. But have they after, started their search?
0: yes i don't know how extensive we can say that it's been but they have started it um i mean i here's this is fair or not i wonder like arizona state hired herm edwards an espn talking head i know jim Moore has been back on the sideline for a year but are they going to want to follow the television analyst with another recently television analyst
3: Yeah, but Herm was out like of college football for like 20 years.
0: I'm I'm not saying it's fair or even correct. I'm just saying perception-wise, I don't know if that's what they're going to want to do.
3: I think you can sell your fans on he turned around UConn, this program, your 2020 national champions, by the way. Um, yeah, well, York York did,
0: what yeah. did he really turn around this ti- This program won a national title two years ago and now we're celebrating <laughs> that it might get to a bowl game I mean
2: where have our standards gone what 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 are we doing in this world it's like no. him and Brian Kelly right they, they, they come off in that, a natty and then all of a sudden you know also, down here give him all this credit
3: the team he beat was Hugh Freeze maybe on the uh, interview trail or one too many calls with his agents what that
2: N- not a, a good distracted. week for guys who, who maybe you're looking to upgrade jobs right? Hugh Freeze takes the L, Dave Doran takes the L, Mark Stoop takes the L, all as three-score favorites. At least Freeze is on the road, I guess.
1: And like for, I I don't know Liberty football history, but certainly for Kentucky and NC State, those are two of the worst losses in recent history for either one of, like in terms of a low point for both of these careers and they have both been um, long and considered successful. Otherwise, that was no bueno.
2: So, One interesting interesting point of Liberty here is like my number said to bet Liberty and I did not because like who, how do I know they're going to play hard or care about this game? They're not in a conference.
1: Well, they also just beat uh, Arkansas.
2: Yeah. So it's an obvious, it's an obvious hangover situation. You have to go play like none of these games are conference games, but it's not like there's something Hugh Freeze does not have a button he can push. Say, hey guys, if we do this, we're going to make a New Year's Six Bowl because like Liberty as an independent is definitely not going to make a New Year's Six Bowl. Like there's just no chance even if they were to you know, run the table. There is one button he could have pushed. It's the oh. one that Bob Diaco went to.
0: You just make a rivalry trophy.
3: That's true. Civil Why conflict. Yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying. Why didn't you oh. do that? Not thinking I two wish steps ahead.
3: Could. I wish I had a hidden camera when we did our production meeting with Bob Diaco when I was covering <laughs> games. Because I'll never fr- – it was one of the more bizarre ones. First of all, you weren't allowed to talk to coordinators, which is also – that's always a red flag. Like, why don't you trust your coordinators to talk to us? It was like his first year. He told us how he the paint colors were flawed, that they were too gray, and that his team was low on vitamin D, so they were going to turn it around by changing the paint colors and taking supplements of vitamin D was going to be the key to turn around UConn Husky football. And we walked out of that meeting like – did we just hear what we heard. Like, we didn't hear much about building a roster, building like X's and O's. We got to get tougher. It was the paint scheme. And the vitamins that they were taking, there wasn't enough vitamin D. They needed more vitamin D. I lived in Connecticut; it is an issue, but you got you got to find your way around somewhere else. They needed more vitamin Diaco. <laughs> when you hire an Instagram
2: influencer your head coach, I guess. Wow.
1: Well, he's, I mean, he was uh, all about the energy vampires. Yes, right? yes, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it was the first thing I thought of when we were hearing about Jim Moore and this haunted house. I was like, Diaco was right. <laughs> <or> energy <laughs> around UConn football you got to get them out of here oh man coming up on the other side the clemson tigers got right or did they plus more of our upon further review and maybe some conversation about the future of the west virginia football program all that and more next if you are watching live on YouTube, you just got to see a promo for Tulsa King on Paramount+. And if you are watching live on YouTube at youtube.com slash cover3, we've got a great opportunity for you right now. Because you can enjoy Tulsa King and the many fine offerings of Paramount+, Plus, thanks to a 30-day free trial premium plan that we are going to give away right now. So here's the deal. We got a lot of people watching this show, but our likes to viewers numbers, eh, we, we don't like what we're seeing. We ask you at the beginning of every show to subscribe, to like the video. And so if we get the likes, up to 150 likes on this video right now, We will give away a 30-day free trial for the Paramount Plus premium plan here on the show. So if you are watching live, go and like the video on youtube.com slash covered three. We'll keep track of it. And then someone who is watching live right now, if we get the likes up to 150, will get an opportunity for a 30-day free trial for Paramount Plus. You know what to do. Go ahead and get those
3: likes up. Where do we want to go next for upon further review? Where does Texas go from here? I know you guys talked about it a little bit on the, uh, the post game, um, the reaction pod. Great to hear Barton too. That was awesome. That was awesome. Um, they're in a little bit of a predicament, right? I mean, with Quinn Ewers, who hasn't been playing great, do you, because if you go to Hudson card, you're going to lose Quinn Ewers. You might lose him anyway. I don't, I mean, is this just Arch Manning wait? Like, just we can't wait for Arch Manning to get here? Are they at that position? He was on the sidelines on <laughs> Saturday. So, is he, like, he, And he, I'm he, assuming he, he's, he's early enrolling, right, in January? I mean, that's the trend. That I don't
2: know. I would assume so. There are a couple schools that don't allow that that are still around, like some private schools. Like, Danny, down by you, uh, Aquinas doesn't allow uh, early, early enrolling. You have to stay with with your, your graduating class. Would it shock you guys if, if Texas, like, post- after this year comes out, it's like yeah. By the way, like Quinn Ewers was hurt. No. I'm not saying that that he was, but like he does look different in the last month. And we knew about the hand thing, but he just is not accurate uh, at all. Like like the last three or four games, his play has
3: been uh, been pretty pretty subpar. Um, I I always like the. It's easy to talk about quarterbacks when they're great, right? It's also easy to play quarterback when everything is going great. That's why I like to watch quarterbacks. How do you respond? Like, I, I don't ever feel like I get a really good evaluation on a quarterback until I've seen him throw a couple pick sixes and have a rough game. See, all right, what does he do the next game? And what does he do the next drive? And, like, I would say the early returns on Quinn Ewers is he hasn't responded. great. I mean, I think DJ Uwe Ungle is a great one. Remember how it was phenomenal against Notre Dame? Everything's great. He's the quarterback of the future. Then you have a couple bad games, and now I watch him. If he has a bad throw, I'm worried about him. Like, uh-oh, where's his where's his mind? Has he lost his confidence? And Quinn Ewers, I don't know if he's lost his confidence, but, man, the body language, and I don't love to be the body language police, but it is very indifferent um, from the quarterback. And I get he's young, but I'd want to see a little bit more angry energy or something that's just not what you're getting from Quinn Ewers on the sidelines. That, you guys see that too? Yeah. And I mean, and then you saw like the the screen grab of his face was kind of like I don't know if there was like um, an RBF for quarterbacks, like a QBF. I guess <laughs> I mean, like I think that's how you would describe it. I want to get a T-shirt with QBF. Um, it just looks like it's just an indifferent attitude. And I get it doesn't matter that much, but there's a Jay Cutler esque, um, Josh DGAF, Rosen kind
0: of, you know. yeah, yeah, like. I mean- I, I wrote about it in the Monday after. It hasn't been published yet, but a question for you guys because it's something I wrote about. 22 games into Sark's tenure, what's different? Nothing. Yeah. What is different at Texas that hasn't been the case there for the last since Mac, hell, since they lost the BCS title game to Alabama? What has changed under
2: Sark? They got significantly better from year one to year two, I would say, which. It
0: remains to be noticed.
2: seen. Did they though?
0: Yeah. No, I think quality of play, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean But I mean, if let's go back to Tom Herman, who went went seven and what like I can't remember. They he was did seven they or eight, eight wins and, a year. Eight in, his first year they got to a bowl game. The next year they went ten and four and beat Oklahoma. Sark's first year they went five and seven and they beat Oklahoma. But the Oklahoma Herman beat ended up in the college football playoff. The Oklahoma Sark beat is, might not get to a bowl game. So it just, it's, it's the same stuff to me. It's like, oh, the recruiting classes are great. Well, they were great under Herman. He had top five classes. They, were, they had top 10 classes under Charlie Strong. They had top 10 classes under Mac Brown. And it's just nothing but mediocre results after mediocre results. And it's like, I'm watching this Texas team, and it's got a ton of talent. It's usually the most talented team on the field it doesn't win games, or at least it's not winning games as often as they should be. And it's like, I'm just – we're into the second year, and I'm sitting there looking at it, too. Across the field is Sonny Dykes. And last year, TCU was a program that looked dead on its feet. Like, the players seemed unhappy. The coaching staff seemed unhappy. They went for a reset. Sonny Dykes shows in. This is a team that's 10-0. It's already clinched a spot in the Big 12 title game and might get to the college football playoff in year one. Sark's in year two, and it's still like, well, they just need more time. And I just – I, I'm not very confident in what's going to be happening there. I don't know if Arch I, I, Man, like, is Arch Manning the latest savior who's just going to – you know, I, I don't know.
2: So a couple things on that, Tom. Number one, I agree with you that, like, like the actual win-loss results are not getting better yet. But if you look at, like, under the hood, I do think that they are getting a lot better. Like, this is the best Texas team in a number of years to, to my eyes, right? Like, the, the they got the one that beat that Georgia team that didn't really care to be there, I think, in the Sugar Bowl, you know, whatever. But this is a—I think this is a quality Texas team that has losses that are really only by one score, right? Like nobody has blown these guys out. Their wins are generally pretty impressive overall, right? Like they—they, I think we're the considerably better team against Kansas State. Although the way they kind of held on there uh, was a little bit scary. I think Sark is legitimately improving them along the lines of scrimmage uh, to where, like, if you're going to be a bully, you have to be able to bully people at the point of attack. The the young offensive linemen. Who they signed that are playing right now are playing well, especially the Banks kid. And even if you thought this was going poorly, if you're Texas administration, I almost never advocate for like, hey, hold on to this coach because of his recruiting class. I just think that's not a it's kind of putting the cart before the horse. With the arch class, I do think it's different, right? Like, mean, like he's kind of the pie piper of that class. They have a lot of kids who are taking notice of that class. They have a chance to finish with several more five stars down the stretch. Uh,
3: I think, I think you, Tom brings up a really good point though. They've all, they've had top three classes before uh-huh. and it hasn't translated. And how do you think? Like I, I, I totally, I hear both sides of what you guys are saying and I agree with both of you, but how do you feel if you're a Texas fan and you've got all this talent and you're, you're probably going to watch TCU play Kansas state, the big 12 championship game. And you're sitting at home with, uh-huh. you know, four losses. That's how do you feel If you're Greg Sankey, like, <laughs> Hey, Texas, Oklahoma, like we're, we're are we sure
2: we got the right teams out of this league. See, like we're looking at we're looking at a Texas team that's going to be eight and four. Maybe they
0: need
3: to get out of the Big Twelve.
0: Yeah, we're looking at a team that's going to be like eight and four. Maybe going to win SEC. a bowl game. I mean, get a lot of get, get a lot of momentum going into the off and then start next year in the top fifteen. Where have I heard this story before? And while it's not like College Station, <laughs> but I'm saying it's it's every year in Austin. We can make fun of College Station all we want, but it's been the same damn story in Austin for a decade, every single off season. But It's to me like it's not a hard and fast rule, but typically when you make the coaching change and you bring in the hire, while you don't have to see like the team winning 10 games in year two, you tend to know by the second year if it's going to work. And Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anything from this program to this point that's happened on the field. That makes me think this is going to work. It's the same inconsistent thing every week. It's like the offense plays well, the defense plays like crap. The defense finally comes out, plays an amazing game against the top offense in the country, and the offense can't do a damn thing. There's never a complete game, and it's been the story for that program for a
1: decade. This <clears throat> has the scheme been upgraded under Sark?
2: Yes.
0: I remember yeah, I a lot of frustration. Yeah, play Especially calling. Especially defensively,
1: me.
2: like they're playing really they play good me. on defense.
1: What? <laughs> Hey,
2: shout out to Gary Patterson. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I mean, if like Patterson's archaic views on, you know, like player rights and stuff it, aside, it, the guy clearly knows scheme. So if he doesn't actually have to like coach the the team and, and manage the the players and roster, I, I think that's a great addition for Texas. If you look at how TCU tuned that guy out last year, that's why I'm I'm out on the idea of Patterson, you know, coming back as head coach. Here, here's the other thing for me, though, going back. I'm sorry to keep harping on this.
1: No, yeah, it's a good discussion. S- Sark yeah.
0: was doing the same thing at Washington, except at the time Washington was terrible, and it was good. Then he gets to USC, and it was the same problems at USC that I'm seeing here as far as the results on the field. It's like there's a whole bunch of stuff off the field that makes you think, "Hey, look, they're recruiting well. These are all signs they're going to be back, are going to take that next step," and then it just never happens.
2: I, it's like Lucy you don't think they've the taken football. a step. You don't think they've taken a step in how they're playing. Like, I, I think that like, this year's Texas team beats the they're, crap out of last year's Texas team.
0: Yeah, and this year's Texas team is still only six and four. Last year's was five and seven. Yeah, but so this is sort
2: of process versus results, right? Like, how, how are they, he's playing, half how are they games. playing? He's I, I, half I, his games. I get that. The process is great, but do you get judged on your process or your results? Well, if you're a decision maker, you better damn sure look at the process, right? You better say, like, are they playing better? They're playing a lot better.
3: We are, and we're six and four. Is that what sure. our goal is? With more talent than probably, yes. how many games have they been favored in that you're, they've lost? You're,
2: like I said,
0: you are right, the so better lost
3: team to- every week, and your process is well.
2: But maybe the process isn't that great. Their losses are what Bama by a one point, point when Ewers mm-hmm. gets knocked out. All right, mm-hmm. at Texas Tech when Texas Tech makes a makes a boatload of you know mm-hmm. fourth down plays, and Texas I thought played better Texas Tech in that game, and they, they lost by a field goal, right? Mm-hmm. They lost to Oklahoma State by a touchdown on the road, and that was mm-hmm. when they still had Sanders, right? That wasn't the backup yet for Oklahoma State. It was like a month ago. Yeah, and you got shut and out, out lo- the second half. They did, no doubt. And they and they lost by one Choked score. In the second half. Look, uh, one of the hallmarks of good teams when they don't have good records, but like you can tell that they're playing better, is that their wins are generally a lot more dominant than their losses are. And I'm not Iowa saying Sark's doing a great job.
0: Iowa State was a 24-21 was not, win. They nearly blew a 17-point lead to Kansas State last week. We're about a play away from Texas
3: being on a three-game losing streak. The process and that, and doesn't seem what, to be doing all that from well. Them
2: being three plays away from undefeated or four?
3: But I like your but, point. So it was it's Nebraska like, and Scott Frost last year. Remember, they were the best 3-9 yeah. and nine team we've <laughs> seen. Like At some point, like I, I could see, totally see both sides because I don't think anybody should be calling for Sark to be on the hot seat yet. But it definitely is gonna be heated coming into next year. And at some point, to Tom's point, like this is almost 15 years now where we've tried, this is coach number three or four, that we've tried to make change just for change sake and you get the same exact result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not sitting here saying they
0: should fire Sark or look for a new hey, coach. I'm just saying just I'm say- not very optimistic about where this is going.
3: I don't think it's gonna work. Can I? swing this to another team in Texas that I saw some interesting comments. Did you guys see what Jimbo said after the game? Uh, After they are now worse than Vanderbilt as you guys documented on the season three and six on the year. He had a quote and I played it back on the radio show this morning, but he said, hey, I can, you know, he's talking really fast. He's like, hey, you can talk all about scheme you want. He said, but everybody's doing the same things. He's like, we're just, we're just not executing very well. Everybody's running the same concepts. Everybody's running vertical and smash routes and, you know, everybody's doing the same thing. And when I heard that, it kind of hit me because I ran vertical and smash route back in 1995. At Florida State I was like man people are and you do see it he is Mm -hmm. right to a point it is one of the staples of any day one installation that you're gonna teach a freshman all right here's four verticals if there are two safeties one of you guys are gonna bend it off in the middle and if there's one safety you're gonna stay right up the hash and here's the quarterback you're gonna read your safeties smash concept all right you're gonna have some sort of stop routes on the outside with corners behind him he's right they are staples in every offense but where he's wrong Is not everybody's running these all the time anymore? Like (laughs) um, I remember so vividly, I was on the Atlanta Falcons, and Dan Reeves was kind of it. Like he had been fired from the Giants, where I was. Then he goes to Atlanta, and Chris Chandler was the starting quarterback, and he was so frustrated with the offense because everybody was very predictable. Everyone's, you know, it's we were awful. We were losing a lot of games, and Dan Reeves came into our team meeting on Monday. We're watching film, and it was. Usually you split up offense and defense, but if you suck, they make you all sit through both sides. You can call everybody out. And before Dan Reeves gets up there and he goes, I'm telling you, I've been calling these plays since Tom Landry was the coach. They're the same plays. They're just not being executed. And it was like deja vu all over again. What Jimbo was saying is, well, we're not executing that great. And I could not disagree more, but the fact that he addressed it does make me think he might make a change. Like, I think he's just kind of, this is his last gasp. I'm going to tell you guys. So he's on record too, if it doesn't work out, which is going to be really interesting how that works out because you, I mean, this is fascinating to watch this dumpster fire unfold and just keep getting worse. Cause there are some, they could go spend and get anybody they want to as an offensive coordinator, but is Jimbo going to let him just have free reign, which I think he should. Is he going to collaborate? How's that going to work? And if it doesn't work, What do you think Jimbo's going to say? I told you guys, told you what you know. I told you it wasn't the scheme, and I it's not healthy right now. Obviously, stating the obvious. You guys know
0: Jimbo. Go good. No, I was just say you guys know Jimbo far better than I do,
2: but I don't see that happening. (laughs) Yeah, I. You don't think he'll hire an offense coordinator? I don't don't buy the Garrett Riley stuff. No, I. I I think he's going to be like, you know what, the offense is fine. I know what I'm doing. Dig in the heels. If you don't like it, pay me eighty five million dollars to go away. Like, do you really he's like your, your leverage? I, I mean, look, how lucky is Auburn that Gus Malzahn won those final two games, right? In 2017, remember when he beat Georgia and beat Bama back to back? Because I, I really believe that Auburn was going to let Gus out of his contract to go to Arkansas, where he's from, and that Jimbo would have taken the Auburn job, not a And M. I think a And M was always a leverage piece there against Auburn. Right now, that contract extension that Auburn gave Gus really like, it cost him some money. But it didn't cost him a hundred million dollars. Like they that that that's kind of a blessing in disguise that they that end up having to pay that much money to buy out Gus. I, I covered Jimbo once upon a time as a beat writer, and he had a five year plan for turning over the uh, the play calling duties. Never really materialized. He literally has. Like, Are we on year like fourteen <laughs> of that now? <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I, the thing is, Jimbo's one hundred percent correct here that everybody's running these concepts. They do. The problem is that they also run concepts that are one guy reads that are just straight shot plays, right? Where mm-hmm. like, look what Tennessee does. Do you think Hinton and Hooker is reading everything out no. every time? Do you think the NFL likes what they see in H- Hinn and Hooker? Hell no. Right? Like that's not an NFL concept, but you're not coaching in the NFL. You are coaching college football and there are a certain number of times a game. You need to be dialing up shot plays where it's, we're not trying to have you find the open man. We're trying to, run our routes like Lincoln Riley does to get one guy open to screw with the defense to create a coverage bust where like every play does not have to work against every call and that's the fundamental flaw in what A&M does they want every play to be able to work against any defensive call if you read it out correctly right that's not what best college offenses do there's a certain number of those because you can't run shot plays every play otherwise your success rate would go to hell and your explosive play rate would be off the charts and people would kind of figure it out but they do not do that Near enough. The best colleges' offenses do that because I don't think Jimbo believes in it. I think he thinks that's kind of BS way to run offense. But guess what? In college football, that's what works. Hell, the NFL
0: offenses aren't even doing that anymore. The NFL offenses are running the same things. Everything's designed to get one guy open.
1: Mm. Also, if there were lasers at the top of the field goal posts uh, in the Cowboys Stadium, Texas A and M might be two and eight. (laughs) I think Mm. the
2: streak comes to a weekend though of not scoring. 30 points against an FBS team. UMass comes to town. Arkansas oh. State just scored like 40. So R- RIP to the streak, it, it, it lasted 54 weeks. UMass um, plus 33 and yeah, a half.
1: UMass plus
2: 34 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> UMass quarterback Brady Olsen got hurt in that game. I was going over some notes this morning. Uh, by the way, I believe Chip asked or Tom asked, where does Texas go now? They go to Lawrence, Kansas. Danny asks. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, it's back, like, back to back. yards per play on Texas Tech and just had some struggles in the red zone. Kansas will score some points on Texas. Uh, If Texas doesn't come correct, that could be back-to-back losses. I don't think they will lose, but that that score in Lubbock over the weekend was not indicative of how that game played out.
1: Nope. Coming up on the other side, more of our final thoughts from the weekend that was. Upon further review, rolls on. Next. We didn't get a lot of conversation on Clemson over Louisville. We did mention that Malik Cunningham appeared to re-injure his hand. He did not return to the game in the second half. And, I, I think that does need to be taken into consideration because a deeper dive shows that Will Shipley put the ball on the ground twice, lost one of those fumbles. Thankfully, you know, Phil Moffa got a little bit of a a heavier workload. DJ Uyunglele didn't have quite the same turnover issues entirely across the whole body of work. But in terms of productivity, less than 200 passing yards, the offensive line, um, you know, they they still allowed uh, the Louisville pass rush to be able to get into the backfield a decent amount, but the final score looks pretty good in terms of thirty-one to sixteen win for the Tigers. Miami's up next. They are significant favorites there. Uh, South Carolina in the finale, where they will be significant favorites again. But now that North Carolina has clinched the ACC Coastal Division, the ACC championship game is set between Clemson and North Carolina. The Tigers, sitting at 9-1, and one, still do have a path to the college football playoff. They just need a bunch of teams to lose. But in terms of the quality of play, do you feel like Clemson is... Does Clemson have a path, not to the playoff, but does Clemson have a path to being able to be playing uh, a higher uh, caliber of performance by the end of this season?
2: Sure, yeah. I mean, they, they still have quite a bit of talent. Um, this score, by the way, like Chips you said, like it looked comfortable. It was extremely comfortable, right? This, this was a 31 to, what, 31 to 10 game? Uh, mm-hmm. Because they don't kick the extra point if you score at the very end. Literally, the last play of the game was a Louisville touchdown. I mean, this this was, for all intents and purposes, a three score win. They did not Cunningham out of the game, and we mentioned Louisville's pass rush. It's a it's one of the best pass rushes in the country, guys. Like we've talked about this. That's how they beat Wake Forest. That's how they gave Pitt a good amount of trouble. And Clemson, I was actually kind of impressed with how they handled it, given that they were down two starters on the offensive line. And in, in, uh, mm-hmm. I forgot the kids' names now, but they're they're on my sheet. Uh, and then they also didn't have Trenton Simpson. Xavier Thomas, uh, I think he might be done for the year. year. Yeah, Uh, but they still have a lot of talent on defense. They've moved the ball decently on offense. And Clemson, to me, is not a top three team this year. They're probably not a top four team. They may not be a top five team, but they absolutely have a path to the playoff. No doubt. Like, think about this. They beat Florida State by multiple scores in Tallahassee, right? FSU has a pretty good chance to run the table from here on out. And that'll be a top 15 win for clemson on the road and also if they beat north carolina that'll be another top 15 win for them and their only loss will be at notre dame which the committee seems to respect
1: notre dame seven and three
2: yeah yeah, yeah. they and lost they at home I to stanford and marshall
3: like you that, gotta you, let that go. Those, <laughs> yeah. you can't let that go it's on their resume we said this a bunch on here too notre dame is going to play a Ma- massive role in the playoff, and yet they won't be in it because if they go beat USC, USC goes on to win the Pac 12 as a two loss conference champ. Like, then that, that opens the power- door up, <laughs> and it's a good loss. Like, it's not that bad. It's Notre Dame. They just beat USC, so it's not that bad. They're absolutely, or for USC, it could potentially put USC over the top if USC beats them pretty well. And you're comparing a one loss USC with a one loss Clemson. Like, Notre Dame is going to be a factor in this thing. Going back to Clemson's
0: offense, though, like they've the passing game has disappeared. And it's something like you mentioned earlier, Danny, when you're talking about DJ's confidence, like if you look at their first eight games of the year, as far as passing goes, they were averaging 0.18 EPA per drop back. The last two weeks against Notre Dame and then in the Louisville game, they're at negative 0.23. They've had an explosive passing rate of 5.9% the last two weeks like you're going up against North Carolina and I understand that their defense is not good and you're probably going to have some success but if you find yourself in a situation where you get down to the tar heels in that game and you kind of have to pass to get your way out of it even against that secondary with DJ's kind of confidence right now how confident are we that Clemson can dig itself out of that hole
2: not confident um, not super confident although UNC's defense—it's yeah, hard for me to really buy in, but they have played somewhat better in recent weeks. I'll, I, I think there's something wrong going on at Wake. By the way, like I don't—I don't think we have time to get into that today, and I don't—I don't, I don't want to speculate what it is. But like they don't—they don't look right to me overall. They don't look like, like, like a typical Dave Doran coach team. Also, I did say that Clemson won by multiple scores in Tallahassee. That's wrong. FSU had two garbage time touchdowns that made that look somewhat respectable, I and mean, it was 34-14 by the time. Like you FSU just had re- more you than half their the, yards came yeah, in the garbage yeah. time. Yeah. You just
1: remember what the score was when you started finalizing your notes on the game. Yeah. Exactly. Get, like, there, the okay.
2: At what time are the, are the committee members turning this thing off? <laughs> Probably at the time it is thirty-four fourteen with fifteen minutes left.
1: Um. Yeah. I. I just haven't. Uh, I. The, the game was a, a thorough victory. I do not think it answered. Louisville's a quality opponent. I do not think it answered all of the concerns for the Tigers moving forward. Thankfully, the remaining competition is the remaining competition, and that until they get to Charlotte, um, we'll, we'll see if they end up getting tested. But I do agree that the way the first half of that game goes will be tremendously important. And no matter what the um, advantage is, then... It, Clemson will never be safe. All right. We want to get a couple more notes here before we get out of here, but we asked and you responded. We got 150 likes on YouTube at youtube.com slash cover three. So if you are watching the show right now and you would like a chance at this 30 day free trial, paramount plus premium plan, drop your Twitter handle in the chat right now, drop your Twitter handle in the chat right now. Producer Jordan will Choose one of you and get in touch with you to be able to get you the code that you need to access the 30-day free trial to the Paramount Plus Premium Plan. Uh, You can watch Tulsa King. You can uh, watch SpongeBob SquarePants. You can watch Paw Patrol. You can watch uh, anything. I mean, it is a mountain of entertainment on the Paramount Plus Premium Plan. Drop your Twitter handle in the chat right now. We asked, you answered. Uh, We are going to be giving away these Paramount Plus Plus 30-day free trials pretty often here over the next several weeks. So always, if you watch live, youtube.com slash cover3, you will have a chance at these. Leave your Twitter handle in the chat, and we will get in touch with one lucky winner.
2: Actually, I've cleared it with the bosses. We're going to give away three. Ooh, I like that. Um, Cool. They have to be following the cover3 Twitter account too, I think Mm -hmm. is a fair rule. Like, If you're on Twitter and you're watching us on YouTube, are you really not following our Twitter account? Maybe you are if you're a nerd. <laughs> All
1: right. Uh, but where do you want to go? I,
2: I want to go to Cincinnati. i, I really I, I think this team is a quarterback away from being pretty special. And they are just miles away from being pretty special because their quarterback play is killing them. You watch this t- this game and they have I mean, Tucker and Scott are just absolute studs at receiver who I think are both like legitimate NFL guys. They had 310 yards total against East Carolina and won the game. I really don't think they were the better team in this game, but explosive plays in a single game setting really can win you games. They had a like a 75 or 80 yarder, they had a 55 yarder, they had a 90 yard kickoff return and their quarterback Ben Bryant who I think has Cincinnati fans really freaked out that like what is happening with Evan Prater who was a pretty like highly rated young guy, one of the best recruits in the history of Cincinnati. He he can't see the field. Ben Bryant was fourteen of thirty mm-hmm. for two forty four. I mean, over half of his yards came on two throws on the game. Like their success rate in in the toilet, just they are so bad. Like they just can't complete passes, and and it. it I do think it's quarterback play, man. Like they they got guys wide open over the middle, deep, even some short stuff. He just can't hit them. It, it's it's really kind of nuts. Like they, they're re- relying just solely on. I'm just throwing screen passes. Uh, Tom, they were uh, they were one of eight on passes that traveled at least 15 yards in the yeah. air. And a lot of those were, were WTFO. You know what? I got I got a suggestion.
0: If Evan Prater's not the guy, if coaching staff's not confident, we talked about this a little bit on Saturday night. Bryant came from the MAC. It's not working out too well, but there's another MAC quarterback right now
2: in the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I hate doing this to to G5 staffs, but this will be yes. part of the sport going forward, oh, yeah. right? Like if you have an absolute stud like Curtis Rourke, who we, we actually shot a short video about today, check out the cover through YouTube page short section. If you haven't yet, it's coming out, I think this evening, because they play tomorrow night on the Mac uh, at Ball State. I kind of wonder if 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 he enters the portal, is is he not going to go somewhere a little bit more elevated than that? Mm-hmm. But he would kill it there. No doubt.
0: You know, it's not even Power 5 programs that have to worry about it anymore. After the loss to Iowa on Saturday, Braylon Allen had to answer a bunch of questions about rumors that Michigan had been reaching out to him to transfer. And then Jim that's Leonard... Been going even on all week. That's what I'm saying. Not Michigan reaching out, but the rumors. Yeah, Jim Leonard had to address the fact that, you know, teams possibly reaching out to his players. It's just like, yeah, it's anybody now, man. It's just, it's wild, wild west out there. Lose a couple games in a row, somebody's talking to your guy. <laughs> that's
1: the way that... Uh, yeah. Yeah,
2: there was an article in the Miami Herald that said, uh, like, how much uh, how much better Miami's offense could have looked if they had uh, been able to actually land Zay Flowers. So, if you're wondering who the team was that tried <laughs> to get Zay Flowers this summer, I'm not saying, but I'm just I'm reading the Miami Herald, like, interesting. Okay, so nine months later, we're doing
1: this. Yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> I mean, especially after <laughs> we the all
2: kind of suspected. It. <laughs> well,
1: and then it's especially right off the Rashada flip right mm-hmm. i mean you're just yeah. you're you're feeling like a lot of these offers all of a sudden are uh, are are not carrying quite the weight in terms of being successful at at sealing the deal uh all near the end um anything else before we get out of oh any you just mentioned those two mac games and i know that we had like a a mac locks competition last year but we we the the season kind of spiraled out of control Does anyone have a read, a thought or a lean on the Mac action for at least Tuesday, bowling green at Toledo, Ohio state at ball state Toledo favored by 15 and a half against the Falcons and Ohio, as we, as we just mentioned, uh, favored by four on the road at ball state, Ohio, it's a wagon. Don't look back.
2: Yeah, I, I think, Oh, I'd rather have Ohio than ball state there. Um, I mean, look, Bowling Green has a really good defense. I think, like, if that staff gets canned, and I hope they don't, uh, I think the defensive coaches on that staff should be looked at by other staffs across the country as like doing a really good job because Bowling Green's offense is completely inept. Like, they're just they look poorly coached. I don't think they have much talent. They don't. They don't seem to know what they're doing. And they're like, save us defense, and routinely Bowling Green's defense kind of does. But uh, Toledo at home. Laying 14 and a half feels a little bit short to me. Uh, just how many times is Bowling Green's defense going to have to defend short fields here?
1: Ohio is a wagon. Tom Fernelli said it. Is that going to be the Twitter tip?
0: Uh, unless something changes drastically with the numbers, Twitter tips got to wait till the day of game. But yeah, right now
2: you could probably expect to see a tweet about Ohio being a favorite tomorrow. What's weather looking like here? Because Ball State runs that, that air raid stuff.
1: In Muncie, Indiana. Let's check real quick. Let's see. Muncie, Indiana. Ooh, Tuesday. We are looking at uh, 38 degrees, rain, and nine mile an hour wind. Rain and snow in Muncie, Indiana on Tuesday. Yeah,
0: it's going to be cold, but it doesn't seem to be too breezy, according to my forecast.
1: Seven to nine. Oh, and late, Oh, it dies down. That's at the yeah. uh, height of the day. Sun powers the wind. Mm-hmm. Once the sun
0: goes storms. down, it's going to get down to about four to six miles per hour. So I don't, yeah. don't think it'll be that big of a problem.
1: Okay. Science. Air, Science. Air raid should be okay. All right. We will be back on Tuesday night with our college football playoff rankings reaction show. And reminder, that will be coming during the break between the two college basketball games. This is the Champions Classic. They'll be revealing the new top 25 uh, in between the the two games of the Champions Classic. So the exact timing on that, like we're going to say nine-ish, but... We'll see uh, as soon as they do have the one through 25 all laid out and officially announced. Then shortly after that, we will be going live at youtube.com slash cover three with our reaction. Then we'll be back on Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern time uh, with more to break down from the week ahead and Thursday, 11 a.m. Another edition of lots. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott three. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
0: It's a criminal when they do that CFP rating show between the games. Criminal. Somebody should go to jail.